0: What's up, Grace? How are we doing today? Second Service? Yeah. Doing good? You awake? Doesn't seem like you're awake. Yeah. What's going on, Second Service? You guys awake? Yeah. All right, that's what I'm looking for. Hopefully that increases as we go on here today. My name's Mike. I'm the Karen Connections pastor here at Grace, and um, I, uh, I have the privilege of opening up a new series that we're gonna start today uh, called The Other Side... Of yes, everybody say yes. yes. Say it again. Say yes. yes. All right. You know there are certain things that God uh, wants to do in you and in me that uh, He will never be able to do until we get to the other side of yes. Uh, John ten ten says uh, Jesus says in John ten ten that that I have come to give them life, and then he doesn't stop there with just life, but he says, I've come to give them uh, abundant life or full life. And if we want to experience uh, a full life that Jesus has to offer us, then there are certain things that we need to say yes to. There are certain things that, that God is asking you to get on the other side of yes And so that's what this series is about. We're going to tackle all kinds of different things that we believe God is asking you and I to do, uh, and He's asking us to get on the other side of yes. Today, we're going to look at the area of serving, and today I want to inspire you and encourage you from God's Word to get on the other side of serving, to say yes to God in the area of Serving. If you have your Bibles with me, uh, with you today, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. If you need a Bible, uh, go ahead and raise your hand. We have ushers that would be happy to put one in your hand. Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to start here. We're not going to end here. Uh, We're going to spend the bulk of our time in Exodus today, looking at the life of Moses. But we're going to start right here in Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 8 through 10 together. So when you find that, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, go ahead and stand to your feet. And we're going to read this out loud together. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. Ready? Read. It says this. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Before you uh, sit down, I want to read uh, verse 10 again, but here's what I want to do this time. I want to change uh, for we are God's handiwork to for I am God's handiwork. And then I want to change which God has prepared in advance for me to do. Okay, so let's, let's read that out loud again together, changing those words. Ready? For I am God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for me to do. Before you have a seat, tell somebody beside you, you are God's handiwork. You are God's handiwork. It's an interesting word. Handiwork. Uh, the Greek is poema, and it's where we get our English word poem from. And it's this word that, uh, that 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 means masterpiece or workmanship. And it's this picture that God has created you and He's created me as this work of art. He's created you and me as God's. Handiwork, and 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 you are God's handiwork. It says that we're God's handiwork. It doesn't say that you're a self-made man or woman, but that you're a God-made man or woman, and that you're God's masterpiece, and that that we're created in Christ Jesus. If you have said yes to Jesus Christ, and he's the Lord of your life, and he saved you, and I, I hope that's the case this morning, that he saved you by grace, we read, right? It, through faith, it's, it's not anything that you have done so that you would boast, because if it was something you could do on your own, you would just go around and you would boast about it. And so God says, no, 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 this is all about my grace, I saved you by my grace through faith, And he redeemed you, and he redeemed me. And here's what I want you to understand this morning. Anytime God redeems us, he doesn't just redeem us from something. He doesn't just redeem us from our uh, life of sin. He doesn't just redeem us from our past and the bondage and the slavery of our sin, but he also redeems us to something. And we read here in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 what he redeemed us to. He redeemed us to a life of good works, right? He he redeemed us to a life of good works. It's not the good works that save us. God did that by his grace, right, through faith. But he redeemed us. We're saved now. And he wants us to give, to live our life as a a life of good works. And, And the amazing thing about Ephesians 2:10 if you really stop and you and you and you listen to that verse it says that he prepared in advance for us to do that's just mind blowing that 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 there's certain things that God wants you to do and you to do and you to do and you to do and that he he prepared those things in advance for you to do. Now, if we really believe that, that would change how we lived our our lives, wouldn't it? Because we would go about our day wondering, is this one of these divine appointments that God prepared in advance for me to do? It really is a game changer. I want to illustrate this uh, for you. Uh, It says that we are God's Handiwork. That means that that God, by His hand, the artist hand, the same artist God that created the beautiful sunrise. Right? A couple days ago, my Facebook stream was just filled with sunrise pictures because the colors were just uh, so vibrant. Right? That that red hue, and, and it was just beautiful. And and, and every now and again. God gives us these pictures, right, that we're able to look out over nature and we're able to see God's handiwork. That same God that paints the sky and paints the mountains and, and uh, is just all at work with his hand, the artist's hand, Ephesians 2.10 says that, that you are God's handiwork. That your life canvas was, was painted by the artist's hand and that in Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus, we are now redeemed and, and the result of that is we are to give our life to a life of, of good works, to give our life to a life of serving, which God prepared in advance for you and I to do. Scripture says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so your life is a life canvas created by God, painted by uh, God's artistry and his hand and his creativity to, to live out the beauty of who God is through your life. Now, here's my question for you this morning. Do you believe that? Now, don't just quickly say, yeah, I believe it. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that your life canvas, that God himself created, that, that you are God's handiwork, that he has a, a plan for you in your life, that he prepared in advance? Do you believe that? Because I struggle sometimes believing that for myself. And I have a hunch that you do as well. I, I think sometimes because life hits us so hard and, and, and we, we, we deal with, we live in a sinful world that's marred by sin and we have inadequacies as a result of that in our life. And, and, and here's what I know about my life. Before long, I have, you know, the feelings of inadequacy that pokes a hole in my life canvas. And, and I have pride in my life that, that uh, God is still working uh, with me on, but but the result is that my life canvas takes a beating, doesn't it? Your life canvas takes a beating, and not to mention that there's times that I blow it, right? There's times that I sin, and when I do, I, I mar this this. Life canvas that God has created. And, and before long, what happens is I have fears and failures here and a failure here and a failure here and inadequacy here and I don't measure up over here. And, and uh, I have struggles in my life that just mark the canvas of my life. And before long, if I'm being honest and if you're being honest, I look at the canvas of my life and I struggle to believe that I'm still God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared in advance for me to do. See, there was a time when maybe I did believe that was true, but not anymore. There's a time when I believe it uh, or or, I, or I, it's easy for me to believe that that's true about you and it's easy for you to believe that that's true about me or about the person next to you. But we struggle at times to believe that that's true for you. And I want to inspire you today and encourage you today, no matter what your life canvas looks like, it could look like this, just holes and you may have altered your life canvas uh, through bad decisions and, and just hurts and hangups and, and habits. But I want to encourage you today from God's word that God still looks at you and he still looks at your life canvas and he says, Grace, you are my handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which I have prepared in advance for you to do, you may not believe that right now. My prayer is that as you walk out of here this morning, that you will believe that, and as a result of that, you will get on the other side of yes when it comes to serving. And so, uh, we're going to look at the life of of Moses today, because the truth of the matter is, we're a lot like Moses. Moses had a whole lot of inadequacies in his life, and we're going to look at some of those. Um, he, was a, he was a man that early on in his life, he believed. I believe that he, early on in his life, believed that, that God had a plan for him, that God was going to use him, but, but because of some s- sinful choices that Moses made in his life and the feelings of inadequacy and the feelings of pride and, and the fear that welled up in his life, he had a really hard time believing that that was still true, for him. Here's what we're going to learn about Moses. D.L. Moody said it best. He said this. He said, Moses spent the first 40 years of his life thinking he was somebody. He spent the next 40 years of his life learning he was a nobody. And then he spent the last 40 years of his life discovering what God can do with a nobody. And, and, and we all have these seasons in our life, and maybe you're here today, and you would be in that first season. You really think you're somebody. And let me just tell you, that's, that's pride, right? That's pride that, that creeps into our life as a result of sin. And maybe you would say, well, that's not where I'm at. Man, I've gotten knocked off that horse long ago. I'm actually more in the second stage of life. I actually uh, believe that I'm a Nobody. I believe that my life canvas is is just too marred and too altered for God to still use me. And that's where we're going to pick up the story today. We're going to pick up the story uh, in Exodus chapter 3. You can turn there in your Bibles. But while you do, I want to kind of set up the story. It's important that we understand all that's happened in the life of Moses up until uh, this point Uh, Moses, the the Israelites are in in bondage in Egypt and um, a new king came into power and this new king, this pharaoh, he began to look around and realize that the Israelites were everywhere, and they were just multiplying and growing in numbers, and he felt threatened. He, he felt threatened as a result of this, and so what, what the Pharaoh did, what the king did is he doubled down on them. Scripture says that he forced them into harsh labor. He worked them ruthlessly. He also gave the dreadful order to throw every Hebrew boy that was born into the Nile River uh, to prevent them from continuing to grow in numbers. And it was during this time that Moses was born. His parents uh, managed to hide him for three months, uh, but it got increasingly more difficult to hide him. And so his mother and his father made the painful choice uh, to uh, to place him in a basket, and um, just trust that God would keep him alive. And they placed him along the banks of the Nile River, kind of in the reeds there. And it just so happens, right? Do you ever have those moments in your life where it just so happens? Like we we sometimes say that, but when we when we're honest about those moments, we say, "Wow, God, God was there. God moved and worked and." In, in, in my situation, and that's exactly what happened. It, 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 uh, it just so happens that the Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses and uh, takes pity on him. And uh, she raises him and uh, names him Moses, which means to draw out of the water. Moses grew up being educated in Egyptian culture. He was powerful. He had influence, and he really thought he was somebody. He really thought he was somebody. He really believed also, though, that God wanted to use him to free his people from captivity. The problem was he was doing it his own way. He wasn't doing it God's way, and uh, one day he saw an Egyptian man beating a Hebrew man, and he was enraged. He was enraged by that, and uh, he went over, and he, he, he beat the man, and he killed the man thinking that nobody saw him, thinking that that was just something that he was able to get away with. Uh, the next day, he sees two Hebrew men arguing with each other and he gets between them again, thinking that he's somebody saying, this is the purpose that God has made me, I'm going to break up this fight. And he, he went to break up the fight and, and, and the man, the Hebrew man, pushed, mistreating the other man, pushed Moses out of the way and he said, who do you think you are, Moses? Are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian?" And so Moses was outed, and uh, Scripture says that Moses fled to Midian, and he settled there. And a lot of you would say that because of uh, life and because of the things that have happened in your life and maybe some of the mistakes that you've made and some of the struggles that you've been through and some of the hurts and the hang-ups and the habits— that you've had to endure in your life, some of you are exactly right here. You fled, and you settled. And, uh, and, and, and so Moses, he, he settled, and, and, and I'm, I'm sure that Moses just thought, you know, the, the, the life canvas that God painted for me, uh, I once had a purpose that God had for me, but I, I ruined that. I ruined that. And so I'm just going to flee. I'm just going to settle in comfort in Midian. I'm going to start a family. I'm going to just kind of be over here doing my thing. I'm sure God will use somebody else. I'm sure God will replace me. He he once had a plan for me, but now he's going to, to replace me and I, I think that we, for, we flee and, and I think that we settle into comfort and I think that uh, we become consumers instead of producers because we believe that we don't have anything to produce anymore because that was taken away from us sometimes by our own doing and our own undoing. And, and, and so we settle into this life of comfort, and, and, and that's exactly where, where Moses was. And we're going to pick up the story, look at Exodus chapter 3, and I'm just going to kind of run through some of these verses. I'm going to read 1 through 10, look at it. It says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro's father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush, Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, well, I'm just going to go over there. I'm going to see this strange sight, why the, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Now imagine what Moses is, is feeling in this moment. Imagine this. Forty years he's been living here. In Midian, kind of this settling in a life of comfort, and God appears to him, in this burning bush calls out to him, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, he, uh, here I am. I'm sure it was something like that. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is what? Holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, man, maybe, maybe Moses was thinking in this moment, okay, here's where God like, strikes me down for, for, you know, um, for what I did. Uh, here's, here's where God is going to kind of deal with me. Um, so at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about... They're suffering. So, I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of all the ites. Okay? Verse 9. And now the cry of the Israelites has what? Has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. And look at verse 10. So now, what's the word? Say it loud. Yeah. Go, I am sending. Oh, it was like you. Okay, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. How can that be? Moses, Moses must have thought, God, how can that be? God, look at, look at my life canvas. Look, look do, do you not remember what I did? I took matters into my own hands. I, I killed a man. I, I, my, I let the pride get the best of me. I really thought I was somebody, God, but now I've realized I'm a Nobody. You got the wrong dude. <laughs> it's, it's not me. My ship has sailed. That ship has sailed, God. I, uh, man, I, I would like to believe that this is true, but God, my life canvas, just look at it. How in the world can you use a life canvas like this? Look at how God responded to Moses. Look at verse, look at verse 11 of chapter 3. Uh, But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And look how God responds, verse 12. And God said, what does he say? I will be what? I will be with you. See, Moses, I'm the one that's going to free my people. I'm just going to use you to help me with this. And, and, and this is going to be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Take a look around. Take a look around, Moses. Look at, look at the mountain here. I want to give you a vision of what I'm going to do through you, I believe God does that to, to you and I when we're we're feeling inadequate and when we're, we're allowing the fear and we're allowing the world that's beat us up and even our own sinful choices. That there's there's this this burning bush moment and 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 it might not be a burning bush uh, that you probably um, lit the bush on fire. If that's the case, got a little too close to the fire. But but you know sometimes God works in that way. But oftentimes, here's here's what I've Find in my life, God uses other burning bush moments in my life to get my attention. Maybe your burning bush moment is the fact that you're here today and you're hearing this message. This is your burning bush moment. Maybe God will will use somebody to speak to a nobody who you think is a nobody um, to to get your attention. And, And God is saying, I will be with you. See, here's the thing. Just like Moses, we always offer up a bunch of excuses. We offer up a bunch of excuses. So my excuses, my past, and my fears will hold me back. My life canvas, the choices that I've made, the inadequacies that that has produced in my life, the fear and the pride, that is holding me back. That's, that's our excuse and God's responses. But you will never be alone. I will be alone with you. That's how God responds to, to Moses. Look at verse 13. Uh, Moses just continues kind of offering up excuses as he, as he thinks about his life, and, and he struggles with, God, with what God is asking him to do. Verse 13, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites, and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Look at how God responds. God says to Moses, I am who I am. Tell him I am sent you. Tell him I am has sent me to you. See, I am is the name by which God wished to be known and worshiped in Israel. It's the name that expresses his character, that he's dependable. And that he's a faithful God who desires the full trust of his people. And so God tells Moses, just tell him, I am sent you. Moses, his excuse is, I don't have the influence. I don't have the influence. So I'm going to go to the people and I'm going to say, God sent me to you. And they're going to say, well, who are you, Moses. And and Moses, so Moses is saying, I just don't have the influence. And maybe you're thinking here today. You know, that's nice that God wants me to do that, but I don't have the influence. And see what you're what you're you're thinking incorrectly is that that God wants to use your influence. He He wants to use your influence, but but he wants the he he wants the I am to flow through your influence. And, and, and so my excuses, I don't have influence. God's responses tell them I am has sent you. Tell them I am has sent you. Uh, skip on over to, to chapter 4, verse 1. Moses continues with the excuses. See if you can find yourself in this excuse. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? Isn't it interesting that our fears... Uh, often well up in us, and we end up, uh, you know, painting unrealistic pictures. Sometimes they are realistic pictures, but we look at all, the, all of the what ifs in our lives. You know, what if this happens? You know, so I take a risk and I, I say yes to God in this area. What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? And we allow the what ifs in our life to paralyze us from doing what God wants us to do. Uh, my uh, grandma used to always say, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. <laughs> That's a pretty good one, right? And, and, and Moses is, you know, what if, what if, what if? What? what he's really saying is that, God, I'm too ordinary. I'm too ordinary for people to believe me. And God says this in, in verse two, the Lord said to him, Moses, what is in your what? What's he say? What is in your hand? And Moses is like, well, this right here? Oh, this is a staff. This is, yeah, I use this every day. I picked it up one day and it's just a simple staff that I use to, to help me as a shepherd because all shepherds need a staff, right? It wouldn't be a shepherd if you didn't have a staff. So this is a staff, Lord. This is a staff. And, and the Lord said, okay, all right, Moses, let me help you with this. Let me help you with this. Because this isn't you. This is me through you. And you're missing the point here, Moses. Uh, I want to show you what I'm, what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to flow through you. And, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to throw the staff on the ground. And Moses threw the staff on the ground, and it became A snake. And he ran from it. Then the Lord said, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Moses does that. And it turned back into a staff in his hand, and, and Moses, and God gave Moses two other things that he could do. Put your hand in the cloak, and pulls it out, and it's leprous, right? And then when you put it back in, it's back to normal. And then hey, I'm going to give you that too. And then if if they still don't believe you, then I'm going to give you uh, this 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 third thing. Um, what I want you to do then is I want you to take some water from the Nile, and I want you to pour it on the dry ground. The water's just going to you know it's going to turn to blood. Okay, and people will then know who I am. So when our excuse, when your excuse, when my excuse is I'm too ordinary for people to believe me, God's response is exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's not you, it's me through you. See, it's your ordinariness. I don't know if that's a word. I just created that, okay? It's your ordinariness which makes you believable. It's, it's what makes you believable, right? When, because, because, you know, when I look at, uh, at, what, at your life and you're just an ordinary guy like me, wow, but, but God is moving through you. It's your ordinariness that gives you this credibility that God moves and works in you. He's not looking for polished, fast talker salesmen. That's not what God is looking for. He's looking for ordinary men and women and, who have a story of how God changed their life. That's what God's looking for. And see, God authenticates his power by doing his extraordinary through your ordinary. God authenticates his power by doing his extraordinary through your ordinary. So you would think by now that Moses kind of gets the point that he's ready to get on the other side of yes, He's ready to listen to God. He's ready to be all in, but it's not the case. Take a look at chapter four, verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. In other words, I just have too many limitations, God. I have read, by the way, that the fear, people would rather die than speak publicly, right? Imagine if God, like, asked you, hey, I want you up here. Some of you would be like, oh, let me die first, right? That's a real fear, right? It was a fear for me, too. It really, and, and I still get that unsettled feeling in my stomach every time I have to step up on, on a stage. But, but here, Moses saying, God, I just have too many limitations. And here's God's response. He basically says to Moses, your only limitation is the limitation you're putting on me. That's your, that's your limitation. Uh, and and uh, I, I love the talk that God gives to Moses. Look at, look at verse Uh, verse 11, the Lord said to him, by the way, Moses, who gave human beings their mouths? Remember who the artist is here. Remember who the creator is here, God. Uh, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. Go. Stop giving me excuses. And go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. And then look at how Moses responds. He's out of excuses now. He actually used every last excuse that he has. And so here's what he just says. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please just send somebody else. Please, please, Please. I've offered up my excuses, okay? I've showed you my resume, God. I reminded you of my resume. I, I, I pointed out, you know, the inadequacies I have. I, I pointed out the flaws in my life, and this time here when I killed that, that guy, and, you know, and the, and the pride in my life, and, and, and the inadequacy, and the feeling like I, me, I don't measure up. Um, God, just, just please send someone else, and God's... It says here in verse 14, the Lord's anger burned against Moses. His, his patience is running thin. And the question that, that I ask when I read this is why in the world does God hang in there with Moses? Like, wouldn't it be, be just easier just for God to just pick somebody else? I mean, he's God. He can, surely there's somebody else that God can, can find. But God doesn't do that. He's so patient with Moses, kind of allowing him to work through the fears, allowing Moses to work through the inadequacies. Why in the world does God not give up on Moses? Well, I'll tell you why. Because Moses is God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for him to do. God prepared in advance for Moses to lead the people, God's people, out of slavery. And so God is willing to be patient and God is patient with you. There's things that God has placed burdens in your life, that he's he's placed, their skill sets in your life, things that you've been running from, things that you've been fleeing from, you've kind of settled off over here in the area of comfort because of your life canvas and all of the excuses that you're trying to offer to God and God is just reminding you, you are my handiwork, you're my masterpiece and I've created you in Christ Jesus to do good works which I've prepared in advance for you to do. And I love how God creates a way. He meets Moses right in his inadequacies. He says, "Okay, here's the deal. I'm going to send Aaron along with you. He's going to be the mouthpiece, but I'm going to speak to you. You're going to speak to him. It's cumbersome, but I'll work. It will, it'll work. Okay, it'll it'll work. It'll get the job done. And I love that God. I, I, I love that God did that because that gives me a lot of hope that He can use somebody like me. and and, and maybe he can, you know, it gives you hope that God can use somebody like you. But I love what grace does. I I love what grace does. And while we're looking at our lives and we're saying, God, how in the world can you ever use this mess? How can you ever use this life canvas that I've created? Here's what God says. God, God says, listen, the weaknesses here the inadequacies, the, the uh, you know, you, you, you tried to um, alter the life canvas and you've done a pretty good job of altering the life canvas. But here's what I want you to know about your, your weaknesses. It just allows my light to shine through you all the more. See, see, Moses, see, look, look, you're, yeah, your life canvas, it's pretty messed up, it's pretty marred, it's pretty altered. But, but look, my light can now shine through you all the more, and Grace, I want to tell you this this morning as well, that no matter what your life canvas looks like, the poor choices, the sinful choices, the inadequacies, the fears that that well up in you whenever you think about doing something big for the Lord, uh, it, your, your inadequacies and those weaknesses just allow God's light to shine through you all the more. See, that's all God really wants to do, does isn't it? He just wants his grace to be able to shine through you, to accomplish his purposes, which he's, he's prepared in advance for you to do. I hope that you hear me this morning. Can I get one amen for that? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says this. My power, Jesus says this, and I want you to receive this this morning. Jesus says this to you, And he says this to me, my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. So whatever inadequacies that you think you're dealing with right now, which are keeping you from stepping out on the other side of yes to whatever it is that God wants you to do to serve him, Jesus is telling you this morning that your weaknesses are a perfect soil. That's what I can work with. I can work with a nobody that realizes that God specializes in using nobodies to accomplish something for him. That's what God wants to do in you And in me uh, today. And that's what he wants to encourage you and me uh, today with. And God was so patient with Moses. Um, While he worked through his fears. While he worked through his failures. But eventually Moses got there. And and I believe today for some of you you're going to get there. This is going to be your day where you say okay. No more. No more. I'm not allowing fears and inadequacies and failures to define me. I'm now going to allow the light of the creator, the light of the artist to flow through me. Uh, Let's take a look at verse 20 in in chapter four. I love this. It says this. so, So Moses took his wife and sons. He put them on a donkey and he started back to Egypt. And I want to tell you today, you've been fleeing and you've settled. It's time to get back up on your donkey Okay? And start heading back towards Egypt. That's what I want to tell you today. But, but, but look, at what, look at the last sentence there in verse 20. And he took the staff of what? Of God in his hand. See, it wasn't easy for Moses. Um, he had to work through a lot of stuff. But what finally got Moses on the other side of yes was his belief. His belief changed. See, what he had in his hand before God met him at the burning bush was just a staff. But now, verse 20 says that he had the staff of what? Of God in his hand now. And and so here's what I want you to understand. Radical obedience comes when we believe, when we believe in our heart of hearts, when we believe that God is with us, and that he wants to use our ordinary resources to accomplish his divine purposes. What is your ordinary in your life that God wants to use to do his extraordinary? Uh, may, maybe it's uh, a skill. That you have, you're good with a saw. Maybe it's a, uh, you know, um, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's a car that you have that that you would say, you know, this was once a car, but now it's God's car. And, and so I see somebody over here. I have like three cars, and I have a house that I even park my cars in, called a garage. And they just sit here and they collect dust. And somebody over here doesn't have a car. I'm gonna lend them my car because this is God's car. What's in your hand? that you can now leverage and allow God to use through you to accomplish his purposes in your life. You know, it wasn't easy for Moses. Um, He said yes. There was still a whole lot of hurdles, still a whole lot of struggles. That fear and that inadequacy continued to creep up um, as God was using him. And the same is going to be true for you and me. There was times that he questioned God in the process. Did I really see God in a burning bush? Like, or was that bad pizza, you know, the night before? You know, there are going to be times when the humanness is going to surface and you're going to be given into fear again. God had to continue to remind him who he was. And of course, you know, you know the story. God uh, sent plagues to Pharaoh and uh, eventually... Um, God moved and worked in a radical way. And uh, turn to Exodus chapter 14 really quick, uh, verse 15. I just want to read this to you. Exodus 14, beginning at verse 15, it says, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff. Remember the staff of God, that ordinary tool that became extraordinary uh, because of God. Stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians. Uh, God says, I will, by the way, not you will, Moses. I will uh, harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and his army, through, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that what? I am the Lord when I gained glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, um, who had been traveling in front of Israel's armies, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved them in front, from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel throughout the night. Cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and all that night the Lord, not Moses, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry ground. The waters were divided. The Israelites went Through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right. And a wall of water on their left. The Egyptians pursued and Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea during the last watch of the night. The Lord, not Moses, looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud in the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. The Lord jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. And let me ask you a question. What in the world are you worried about? Like what in the world are you worried about? Why do you continue to allow the fear and inadequacy to keep you in a place of complacency when it's the Lord, the Lord, the Lord that's gonna fight all of the battles? He just wants to flow through you. Why? Because you're his handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. One man God used to free an entire nation out of slavery in Egypt because he said yes. Where are you today? Where are you with all of this? I love our church um, you will be interested to know, by the way, that we have over 700 adults and teens that serve here at Grace Community Church. That's pretty cool, right? Do you, do you, do you think that's pretty cool? Yeah, can we give it up for those that are serving? Thank you. That's incredible, but here's what you also need to know that's 40% of the 1,800 adults. And teenagers not, not counting kids that attend here forty percent forty percent forty percent of you are serving we can do much better in that grace The average church in America, uh, forty to 49 percent of the people serve the top 10 uh, percent of healthy churches in America there's different uh, you know things that they use to determine what a healthy church is the top of healthy churches have 70% of of their church serving. That's my charge to you. That's my encouragement to you. Now, that means that we need help parking cars and and burping babies. That's kind of fun to say. And serving coffee and handing out bulletins and teaching kiddos. But it it goes far beyond that, right? It goes to you serving your neighbors and you uh, coming alongside and serving the people that you work with. With God wants to use you, He prepared in advance things that only He wants you to do. Will you get on the other side of yes and say yes to serving? Let me pray, God. Thank you, God, for using me in spite of me, for using us in spite of us, Lord. No matter how many inadequacies I feel, no matter how many fears and failures and struggles, and and misplaced priorities and sinful choices that I make, Lord. You are right there. Your grace is shining through us, God. It's amazing. It blows my mind that you you will use someone like me, someone like us, Lord, to accomplish your purposes. You don't have to do that, but God, you, you choose to. That's how much you think of us, Lord. Who are we that you are mindful of us? Lord, would you move and work in us. Lord, we want to we get on the other side of yes. We want to say yes to you today. Here we are. Use us. We're ready to go. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. Love you guys. We'll see you next week.